right. Good morning. And thank you for joining the call today. We, we did a little, at least tried to be a little bit like HBO and gave you an all access pass. So today, you know, like I was as a boy in Thunder Bay, Ontario, because we can never really afford HBO. I, I love getting it for free when I could get it. So you're going to see the whole process today. Already received uh, the data, the wrist range product, for example, the early look. Now you hear the call. This is the research meeting. Then we roll into the macro show. And then throughout the day, we'll have real-time alerts. Uh, I'll also do, uh, do a real-time alerts live session where I'll just rapid fire on tickers, giving you setups on the trade trend tail model again. Our process is rules-based and mathematically driven. If you can stand my style, you'll get that it's all about the math. All right. One of the guys who uh, always says, "Function, what is it, Howard? Function in disaster and what? <laughs> um, God, I even forgot. Um, finish uh, in Emily style, Howard. Finish in style. Yes, Emily, thank you. Because Emily finish. went to the school that, uh, what was her name, Emily? The woman, yeah. the headmistress? Uh, Lucy Madeira Wing. Right, right. Uh, You're talking about the one. That are you talking about the one that coined the phrase "function and disaster"? Yeah, yeah that was Lucy yes, Madeira yes. Wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, thank you, Emily. Um, uh, Keith, so uh, I'm doing my best impression of you this morning, doing the call uh, from a car. Uh, so. The um, McDonald's reported numbers, a miss on the bottom line, uh, 223 versus 234, but not expected given inflation. But importantly, the top line was much better than expected. Comps up 12.3 globally versus 10.5. U.S. up 7.5 versus 6.9. And just to put this in perspective, if McDonald's does a 5% comp annually, it's like an incremental billion and a half dollars in sales coming out of the rest of the industry into McDonald's. So part of the reason why we're short QSR, um, uh, restaurant brands, QSR is a symbol, uh, is because of the strength of McDonald's, especially uh, in the U.S. So that seven and a half comp is going to hurt a lot of different players, especially the smaller players and in particular Burger King. So um, feel good about the short on QSR for that. And then internationally up 16.8 versus 16.5 uh, in the operated market and then, then developed licensed markets up 14.2 versus nine. So pretty strong across the board top line and the operating margin actually beat uh, 43.4 versus 42 consensus and 36.7 a year ago. So we put McDonald's on the uh, the long list here uh, in preparation for um, a quad four in, in 2Q um, at the beginning of the year. So feel really comfortable about where we are with McDonald's. And I think the stock may be you know, down slightly today because of the EPS miss. Um, but that's not concerning to me. The strength of the top line is really what what we're focused on for McDonald's, and frankly, the you know the flight to safety as we uh, put in our uh, team stack a couple of weeks ago. So that's it for me this morning. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You know, I, I always take what tickers do on the news. Clearly, um, you know, the most bullish same store sales news that McDonald's maybe ever had, and even that stock can't go up on the news. That's so bearish from a market perspective. Uh, McDonald's would certainly fit the profile of things that you could be long against uh, your super duper stock picks on the high growth side that are going to continue to crash because it will just not crash or go down less. But uh, really important to watch how stocks do on the news, uh, in particular, since we're coming out of peak cycle earnings. So it's not just peak cycle Fed hawkishness, peak, peak cycle interest rates, peak cycle inflation, but peak earnings. And that's the easiest call to make. We're going to have a massive earnings slowdown in the aggregate for the S&P 500 uh, in Q2. So I think a lot of stocks are discounting the future as they normally would, and maybe that's part of it too. So we'll have to, Howard, we'll have to see about that. Um, all right, thank you. Uh, drive safely. I, I, I'm not sure if everybody knows, but I do have an autonomous button on my car, so I'm not actually driving it outright all the time. Not that anybody Well, I'm cares. technically not driving right now. I pulled over to read the McDonald's <laughs> press release, and I'll, I'll be on the call later, but uh, just uh, in transition right now. So, Well, I, I imagine the alternative. You're like, draw down uh, Josh Brown just commenting on any stock, never having opened a spreadsheet or built a company model in your life. Uh, it's just, you know, just a different way to do it, I guess. All right, thank you for doing real work. Appreciate it, BLC. Good morning, Keith. So, you spoke about rising prices yesterday when we, when we spoke, so I wanted to hit on that in Staples. We haven't seen much of that substitution yet, and um, you know, in my note today, I had some surveys about consumers and and their voting about what you know 
product categories they, they will substitute or, or have substituted. Um, what we've seen is it's highest in meat, which makes sense. You know, there's not a lot of brand equity in, in meat, um, but lowest in beverages. You know, and I think I reflected that in some of my picks uh, last week. Um, so shortages, shortages play a big role in that. You know, there's, um, you know, the out of stock level is higher than it normally is or almost ever is. So, you know, consumers continue to grab their, their brands, um, and the, the products when they can. So that's part of why they're just, buying it even when there's high prices because they're, they're worried about not having it there the next week. So I think when that changes that we're going to see more substitution, but um, you know, since you just brought it up, Keith talking about stock reactions, Kimberly Clark t- ticker uh, KMB reported yesterday. Um, that, so that's a very strong quad four stock, but I didn't add it to my long list when I added a bunch of uh, names to the long list. Um, so, you know, it, it's a, um, you know, it's implying a 5% price increase with only like a 1% loss in volume. So not a lot of, uh, you know, substitution there, but their, their pricing and the pace of that pricing is well behind their, the cost pressures they're experiencing. And, and that's really polymers like for the diapers and, and pulp inside the diapers, which, uh, also for toilet paper, right? But, um, that's, uh, just oil and wood. So those, those costs aren't, aren't like the other costs increase. They're sort of unique. You know, compared to the rest of the industry, and and they're not, um, you know, particularly behaving like some of the other ones that are aren't, aren't seeing that, like corn, for example. So, um, with all of that, you know, they slashed guidance, and um, you know, the gross margins just don't look good. The ne- this next quarter is going to be worse than this last quarter, so they're they're going to be well behind uh, the names that I I added to the long list in terms of that recovery and margins. But their stock was only down three and a half percent yesterday, and, and I think that signal says. You know, even as bad of a quarter, and that's a, you know, they've lowered three times in a row and then just lowered the year again, the new year, and it was only down three and a half percent. So it's, it's pretty tough to beat up some of these staples names when they're doing this poorly. And, you know, I have a lot of names that are going to do well pretty soon. So just wanted to flag that there. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite of, of the inflation curve. So you just take every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry macro tourist out there who's now concerned about inflation after Hedge, I made that call for 18 months prior to that. And you take, you know, all their brothers and sisters who are short consumer staples on rising input costs, and it's all the same thing. I mean, you, you should be reporting the worst of times as inflation hits the peak cycle of times. I mean, that's that's why these stocks go down less and less on bad news, and that's why you buy them for the future, because as inflation comes off its cycle peak, you know, back half of 20, uh, 2022, and again, you know, we're talking about real investors looking for, for actual stocks that they could buy here where you can see a rate of change acceleration in margins or margin expansion and earnings embedded therein. So that's that's how to think about it. Uh, instead of the quads, it's called the pods. The quads were born out of the pods. For those of you that are new to this, that's how we roll. Um, I used to be like Daniel Bielsi, a hedge fund analyst. And then we grew up and we went to Hedge Eye. And now you know, I took, we took the pods, so the rate of change of revenue growth and and pod one and pod two cash flow growth. Uh, you know, if you get the rates of change of those things right, you typically get stocks right. In particular, if you get the quads. So the quads, of course, you substitute uh, revenues with real GDP. And uh, pod two, instead of that, uh, you substitute uh, the rate of change of inflation. All right. Um, all good, BLC. Thank you for the quick uh, and succinct recap. TJ, huh? Yeah, quads and pods. All over it, man. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we've got our, our, our cruise uh, deep dive today uh, at 2 o'clock. And, you know, ahead of that, we, we put on NCLH as a long, best idea long for a trade. And uh, there's a, a number of catalysts, a lot of catalysts, and they're, they're pretty near term. And, and we'll discuss all of them later today. But there's one I want to highlight, and that's that's pricing. Um, you know, we do, I, I think, the most exhaustive pricing survey on the street. We also do it weekly instead of monthly. So uh, the street does it monthly and they get a one point in time where we can aggregate and, you know, make sure that there's not anything, you know, flukish going on and, and look at moving averages. And uh, so it's, it's been pretty consistent. The, the industry has been really strong in terms of pricing uh, midway through wave or half, halfway through wave season, wave seasons, generally uh, beginning in December to you know, maybe mid-March, uh, and that's the period where most of the, the, the cruises get booked uh, for the following year. Uh, but but NCLH, not, not only is, is pricing strong, but NCLH is, is the strongest on a year-over-year basis, and also um, f- for most periods, and also uh, like momentum through waves, so they're actually uh, gaining steam relative to uh, the competition. And 
uh, that's that's a pretty good ca- catalyst because they'll report earnings very soon, and they'll uh, you know it's, it's, there's no real earnings yet for the cruise industry because they're they're coming from basically zero. So uh, the forward commentary means quite a bit. Now, objectively, we have issues, uh, as you know, Keith, I talked about in the past, long-term issues with the industry. It's not the greatest business, and, and we'll go into those in, in depth in, in the deck because we you know we, we want to like lay out the case across durations. Uh, but but and just real quick on quad four, I just say a couple things. You know, cruise lines have actually done uh, okay in, in quad four. Uh, but more importantly, if you look at leisure travel, we made this case in our deck a couple weeks ago. Uh, growth is actually you know accelerating because people spent uh, really really underspent by a large amount uh, in terms of uh, leisure versus you know more durable or you know hard goods. So basically, things versus. Uh, experiences and experiences they've uh, they've way underspent and I think that's uh, that's going to catch up pretty quickly so we see a leisure powder keg there and, and accelerating growth and that should move over to the cruise lines uh, so we're right on the near-term catalyst which again it's not just pricing there's other things we're going to, to talk about on the call uh, this this stock could really work um, you know despite quad four uh, over the near term but again you know it's it's a trade uh, I think a lot of the stuff that we're looking at on the positive side is going to come about uh, pretty quickly and then we'll reevaluate and you know some of the long-term factors have to come into play at some point like you know low return on a ca- invested capital uh, which is you know somewhat reflected in the stocks these do trade at pretty low valuations as they should uh, but Norwegian is the cheapest with the most catalysts and that that's of interest to us that's it for me sticker on that is is uh, NCLH uh, RCL We've been getting asked questions on that because it's in my top 20 in signal strength, it's not signaling buy yet, but it's getting ready for that. It's always a process, a bottoming process that is for for stocks and as much as markets that have gone down for a while. But um, if, if RCL can get above 82, TJ, that's trend. Uh, and then the other thing I'd say, we get a lot of questions on this. Oh, quad four, why why the travel, like booking, Expedia, why, why are they outperforming? They should go down. It's like, well, you can't just look at a static quad table. I mean, that that's for rookies, right? It's for somebody who is like whatever, you know, they just never played the game. They don't have a signal. Um, you know, it's a starting point. It's a reference point. Under, being macro aware of where the quad is, is just the beginning. I mean, there's a unique set of, you know, easing base effects for travel and leisure stocks. So that's why, you know, so if you look at the pods of the companies, they're some of the last places where you haven't seen the real acceleration yet. And that's why they outperform. The ones that have the toughest compares are going down and they're slowing into the tough comps. And the ones that still have the easy comps are going up. And that's um, you can see it from emerging markets to some of your stocks. And that's, you know, that's my answer on that. Yeah, that's a terrific meld of, uh, you know, the secular and the cyclical uh, pods and quads right there, Keith. Thanks. Yeah, you're just being nice to me because there's a lot of people listening to that. Well, I like what I like what you had to say just then. So that's part of it, too. (laughs) Yeah, we're nice to each other. We're not we're not nice to people who are full of shit on Twitter. So. That is uh, what it is. Some people call it bullying. Where I grew up, it's just called calling people up because they're full of shit. I mean, okay, uh, thank you. Uh, McGough, you've never done such a thing, have you? <laughs> no, not me. Um, so a cu- couple of things this morning. Groupon, GRPN, and Playboy, PLBY. I'm going to hand it over to Jeremy on Groupon, but we had a, a, a nice win on this one yesterday with a lot more to come on the upside I'll let him lay that one out, and then I got comments on uh, on the Playboy. Thanks, Brian. So uh, you have Groupon. A good day yesterday. We went long this a uh, couple weeks back. Ticker for people is GRPN. Um, you know, part of our bull thesis um, was around the company's stake in this European payments company, SumUp. Uh, yesterday, it was reported by Bloomberg that SumUp was pursuing a 20 billion euro valuation in its latest private funding round. So that'd be 22.5 billion. Uh, U.S. dollars. Um, we don't know Groupon's exact stake. It's likely in the 5% range, um, but that $22.5 billion value at the 5% stake would be, uh, if we combine it with net cash at the end of the quarter, would be almost $42 per share um, versus the closing price yesterday of $26.68. So and this is a targeted valuation funding round, right? So like a, a Groupon liquidity event might be lower, but we're you know, even sort of discounting valuation. You're looking at a you know, valuation for Groupon that would imply uh, its operations valued at like, you know, one times EBITDA, zero or even negative. So, uh, and we actually think there's a, a bull case, you know, developing around the core operations as well. So on this news, we are buyers of Groupon. 
even with that 20% move yesterday, um, taking it up higher on our long bias list, uh, on a long list. And um, yeah, we like Groupon here. Yeah, for, <clears throat> for people that don't know what that long bias list is, each analyst or each sector pro product, which you can subscribe to, um, Brian and McLean will have on the board, you know, best idea longs, best idea shorts, and then they'll have a bench of ideas that they're working on on both the, the long and the short side. So you can see the whole process there. Um, McGough, what else you got? Yeah, so I, I want to hit on Playboy for a minute. Uh, PLBY, this is a name. I know, you know nobody, it's been, cares. Uh, nobody cares about that stock. Let's, no, let's, no, no one cares about it. We're going to ride it into the ground. Um, so this is one where we originally made the call at 20 bucks, looked like heroes when the stock went to 60 over the course of, you know, two, two months. And now, you know, I got egg on my face that it's a $15 stock again. It fell victim to, you know, quad four in a really big way. It has all the wrong style factors. Um, we're going to do a black book on this one, um, in about two weeks. And we're going to go really, really deep on all the growth initiatives here. The bottom line is the... I'm, I'm not going to say the pods are going to trump the quads because the quads are really damn strong. Um, but I'm telling you, the pods look awesome. Revenue growth looks fantastic. Margins look really, really good. Capital intensity is coming off at a time when growth is accelerating. This company is doing all the right things. Problem is that this, this name has no institutional sponsorship. You can't like you can take I could take any name I cover. And in 20 seconds or less, I can give you an elevator pitch as to why to buy it. You can't do that with Playboy. It's too complex. Is it an NFT company? Is it is it an old school kind of media brand? Is it a sexual wellness company? Is it a cosmetics brand? Is it an apparel company, a licensing company? Like we're we're going to basically boil it down into a very concise framework that you know Joe Institution, who's going to move this stock, can actually like. Uh, get a sense as to what the value creation roadmap really looks like and how they get paid. So it's going to be a very good book. Um, it's going to be open to retail pro subscribers. Um, this is a name where I get a lot of interest from retail pro and I, I, I want to feed the beast and I, I want to give the people what they want. Um, and, um, you know, when, the same way this name got cut in half and got cut in half again, you know, once we're at a quad four, and I know we got a long way to go, it's only January, but, you know, the pods are going to be absolutely humming at the same time that day is going to come where the market starts starts to actually discount quad one, um, and this thing is going to double, and then it's going to double again. Like, I literally think by the end of this year, this thing will be a, at least a $45 stock. So if you got duration on your hands, you definitely want to be buying it here. Um, obviously, you know, signal matters and the quads matter. I, 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 I'm, I'm not trying to make a case that they don't. But if you've got duration, this is one of the most mispriced assets out there. Centerfold right now, which is its OnlyFans com competitor that just launched, is being valued at zero. Honey Burdett, great new company, the highest end um, um, lingerie brand in the world, which it owns, is being valued at zero. NFT is being valued at zero. Um, so if 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 you like doing the math on mismatches between what a company is valued at versus where it's trading, this thing is textbook. Um, and again, the pods are accelerating, um, which I I just love, Keith. I can't find a whole lot of companies in consumer discretionary where you got accelerating pods in 2022, particularly all of them going in the same way at the same time. So we like this a lot. We're going to boil it down in a black book, and we're going to go big or go home on Playboy. Yeah, we, this is a great example of, um, you know, you, you're going to always have a lot of interest because why? Because a lot of people, whether they understand the process yet or not, you know, they're bag holders in this name. So they don't listen. Um, they didn't listen when I said it to you or they didn't listen when I, I said it again and again that it was going to go down hard in quad four. I even said that I'm going to keep it in real time alerts just to use it as an example of a stock that I don't think will go to zero in quad four. Um, but I'll hold it throughout the whole way and I'm going to ride it if it goes to zero with you. Um, so I explained it, right? I mean, it's in, just to be clear in quad, it's not like Playboy stops going down just when quad four ends and all of a sudden everybody, everybody's a winner again. You know, it could easily go up from, you know, literally the, the way to do this. If you're actually, if you sold it like, like we did in, in with our asset management partner, but you know, again, it is what it is. Like, what is your max position? If, if your max position is a 3% position in a stock, my minimum is, is one. So if you didn't sell the whole thing, cut your losses and sell it to one. So when right before the quarter, which is where, where you should probably buy it, 
you, know, you buy 50 basis points or another percent of it. So you're at 2% that day. Like that's how you do it. Okay. Not everybody. In fact, nobody does it the way that we do it. So uh, if you fucked it up, that's okay. I've fucked up way more times than you ever possibly can. And I've done it publicly, privately, and uh, everything in between. So again, you know, get better, accept it, accept it. You're not good at this. Neither am I. We always have to get better. And this is a shining example of that where you can have a great stock idea, but the market and the machine in quad four is going to punish your stock picking ability. Okay. Uh, if you have it like Magat does, obviously. Okay. Um, Got to keep going here. Thank you. Uh, and thank th you. And thanks for not hiding. You know, like so many creepy crawlers out there, they just run away when they're wrong. Um, it is, it is what it is. The process actually on risk managing this was dead right. Um, okay. Um, where are we at here? Uh, Dr. T on. Yeah. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Sorry to ask. I'm not, my microphone was just misbehaving there for a second. I just wanted to, uh, just on your last comment there around, you know, super great stock idea, everything else, or you know, are you catching an inflection point, a falling knife, et cetera. The, the chart and table that we put together yesterday on uh, Quest is, is interesting for that very reason. Uh, I think there's two things. There's one is how we've been looking at all these stocks relative to their, their own history, um, relative to the macro quads that you can, you can, we have this you know, wonderful tool that you, know, you punch in a ticker and you get the back test for um, average, uh, median, and batting average for in terms of performance. I think the additional piece, though, which which we've hit on uh, you know numerous times, but I think hopefully is clearer in that table, is that um, it's not just the macro quad. You also obviously will have the fundamental and in, in influence what uh, you know what that stock's going to do, and that all backs into whatever the estimates are. So these these two, you know, these two pressure points, right? These two uh, streams of influence. And if you get both of them working in concert, you get this, uh, a really, you know, directional result at a minimum and maybe even a, a you know, an absolute result, uh, you know, over some period of time. So Quest, you know, has a, what we call a micro quad for uh, setup for their top line. That, that just relates to, uh, if you look at the NTM line of estimates, it means that it's sloping down to the right. And in relative to itself, it's, uh, you know, it, it's getting, uh, it's it's sloping negative at an accelerating rate, which is the, what we call a micro quad four. Um, historically speaking, across all macro factors that, you know, macro quad setups, that's a bad place to be for any of our companies, but as, you know, it requests uh, performance in particular, that's true. And then if you layer on top of it, if you catch that macro micro quad four in a macro quad four, those two things together, you get absolutely stretched on an absolute basis and on a relative basis in terms of performance. And so the grid that we put up was, okay, healthcare behaves really, really poorly in macro quad three, less so in macro quad four, but still pretty bad. But if you can, if you can focus on the names that are slowing, right, like slowing because of either a COVID comp or slowing because, and that's generally the theme here, um, or slowing because, you know, labor prices are going way up. Um, so we're we're net we're kind of negative on the XHS relative to XAG, but Quest sort of sits in that bin, um, you know, where I think just because right the machine is recognizing both this macro factor and this fundamental factor in terms of where that estimate's trending, and it's you know it it's a short and it should continue to be a good short as long as we're in you know both of those conditions are real you know even if the condition sets right like what if you know I suppose if there's another series variant that could change things but as long as COVID testing looks like it's rolling over, uh, which it does, uh, that's been a big boost for them fundamentally on the pricing and the volume. And then the base business can fill the hole, but it's going to fill the hole at a lower price point and a lower margin. Uh, you need a lot of base business acceleration to make that work. So hopefully that's that's becoming clear. We're, we're trying to cycle through our names in a fast way like that. And there's a lot of big liquid right factor exposure. Um, healthcare names, particularly on the equipment side, that that look good, right? Like that should perform well, back test quad four, but also have a have an upward sloping estimate trend. That's it. Yeah, the odds of people who just joined the call for the first time and have never heard the hedge eye process and, and watched something else, God forbid, uh, understanding 1% of what you said is probably pretty low. Um, but that doesn't matter. You know, everybody can get better. And, and, and you just did a, an excellent job, you know, after 25 years of, of trying to get it right alongside me here. 
uh, of, of melding the quantum mental together. You know, you got the quant factor exposures, you got everything fully loaded from macro quads to micro quads into fundamental analysis. And that's why quantum mental is crushing Mr. Fundamental. And um, it will until it won't. And, and we're, you know, when it stops working, we're going to change and evolve alongside the game as we always do too. All right. Great job with that, Tom. Really good. Um, Emily, you are, you got on early. You want to get on early. You like, you like it. You, you Nashville folk, you like, you like an audience. I'm here every day at the same time. <laughs> I may not show my face until my tea is made, but that's a, it's my problem. Um, uh, first off, Anthem reported yesterday uh, and a couple of uh, comments on their, um, you know, on their commentary. Uh, number one, it, like UNH, they're doing something very similar, which is, running as fast and as hard away from being a health plan. And they say that, you know, we're, we're moving from being a health plan to being a whole person, whole care, health services uh, company, which is just code for um, just just code for we're not, we're not going to take any risk on, on health anymore. You know, we're pushing that risk into the providers uh, and it's, it's going to be their, uh, their problem. Then uh, the other theme, and this came up in UNH, and this is going to come up with Teladoc and others is when will the public health emergency end? Um, and Tom is reminding me that uh, the Teladoc uh, is also in um, uh, quad four. So, uh, we are the public health emergency, which I don't know if everybody's uh, micro quad for. Sorry, um, the public health emergency is becoming a, a theme to which is you know when does it end? Um, the companies uh, UNH and Anthem are banking on a termination of the public health emergency in April, which is the latest date to which it's been extended. That is very unlikely for a number of reasons. Um, and the first of those is the states that are accepting enhanced payments from the federal government for their Medicaid programs really need to align the end of the public health emergency with some uh, fiscal uh, event like the beginning or end of the fiscal year, which would be July or October, depending on what, uh, what uh, uh, state you're talking about. Um, and if they, ex they, if they extend it beyond that, you know, then then that's it would it would then go and try and align with with those dates in 2023, uh, and this this has implications all across healthcare because what the public health emergency did is deregulate the the system, and that, which is why you're seeing more uh, procedures, more employment in the ambulatory space and outside of the the typical. Uh, the hospital uh, space, and I think I think HCA made comment about that, and J and J made a comment about that in in their earnings as well. So, um, so I would expect the public health emergency to extend and and help Medicaid enrollment at Anthem and UNH uh, to extend into probably um, later in 2022 and then April. There there just doesn't seem to be enough time to to get ready for for that. So, um, although. I have to say the healthcare man policy management at the, in the Biden administration is is a little is, is a little weird. So I could I could be wrong. I'm just going to caveat that. So that's it, Keith. Politics would never be weird. All right, thank you, Josh Steiner, aka the Stein Bomber. Morning. So um, yeah, we're sort of in between uh, earnings here. We're going to get, um, well, we've actually just gotten the headlines for MasterCard uh, beat on top line and bottom line, but the numbers literally just hit. So we'll, uh, we'll go through those. We'll have more to say on that uh, later on. Uh, we'll also get Visa tonight after the close, but I wanted to spend just sort of a minute kind of, you know, contextualizing uh, what we've seen so far. So if we're thinking about the financial sector uh, overall, you know, so Q4 results, really have come in relatively strong, uh, but these stocks just keep selling off on the outlook. So, you know, expense guidance has caught people by surprise sort of consistently. Uh, basically, every management team is obviously talking about expenses uh, going up pretty significantly uh, as they look ahead here to 2022. Um, and then that's sort of been, you know, offset to a degree uh, with expectations from, you know, offset from rising rates, 
and uh, also from, you know, ongoing benign credit. So if you sort of think about that and, and you look forward, you know, both of those assumption, assumptions are, you know, I would think lower probability. Um, you know, initially, you know, Fed tightening uh, is going to trigger weakening credit quality. So we've already seen a little bit of that. You know, we've obviously uh, ex- expired on the CTC uh, December 31st. Um, we rolled back uh, the enhanced UI back in uh, early September. So all of that is beginning to manifest. I talked about this a little bit yesterday with some of the specific numbers. Um, and eventually what's going to happen is, you know, both the market weakness and this uh, sort of emergent credit weakness is going to trigger the Fed to pull back from its tightening cycle. Uh, so, you know, the expectation that you're going to have offset from uh, rising rates and from benign credit, you know, against this backdrop of, of rising expenses, I think both of those assumptions are going to prove to be uh, incorrect. And then, you know, you combine all that with the fact that the financial sector is going to go from uh, an 18% year-over-year comp in Q4 uh, to a 133% comp in Q1 followed by 180% comp in Q2, and you sort of have the recipe uh, for, you know, a, a heads, uh, you know, fins lose and uh, tails, fins don't win scenario. So, you know, obviously, uh, financials are a diverse sector. You've got 17 different subsectors. Not all of those, uh, you know, are subject to the same dynamics to the same extent, but two of the most exposed are regional banks and credit cards. And to that end, uh, we've moved uh, Citizens uh, Financial, which is a regional bank, ticker CFG, uh, Capital One, ticker COF, Discover, ticker DFS, all to the shortlist over the last week uh, in anticipation of the ongoing quad four and then deep quad four environment here over the first half of the year. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll continue to go through earnings. We'll, we'll see what else we get. But at this point, we've had a, a decent number of companies report. Uh, I think it's it's pretty clear what the sort of tone and tenor of the uh, sort of perception is, you know. And then uh, on the macro front, today's going to be a busy yeah, day. Uh, but, but, but before you uh, go to that, just because I, I want to make sure that I just you know follow on to, to your your line of thinking on that, um, you know, consider the alternative to what Steiner just said. Say you're a macro tourist. You're buying like bank stocks. Yesterday, bought the financials because the Fed said they're going to raise rates. That is absolutely not the way to do this. What's amazing is that actually, well, he has some conflicts of interest. Even Jamie Dimon would say that. Um, uh, so let's call him a macro tourist while we're at it. Um, when, when it comes to actually quads and rate cycle. So again, what actually happened was that the Fed, which controls the short end of the curve, raised rates. The long end of the curve didn't go up as much. So the curve just actually, the yield curve tends to is at its flattest point of the cycle. A flattening curve is bad for both credit, as Steiner said. What's been reported in credit is just early signs of lagging reports. What's going to really happen to credit in the next three to six months is real slowing, which will look a lot like the yield curve. So again, the first thing you do this morning is you short financials. You don't buy financials after the Fed raises rates. When the Fed raises rates, rates are going to go down. Okay, if this is just like Q4 of 2018, we made the same call. If you tighten into a slowdown, you can puff your chest out and peacock all you want there, PE pal. But you're going to flatten the yield curve. He could actually invert the yield curve. And everybody knows, even if you're not a macro tourist, that if an inverted yield curve is one of the highest and cleanest uh, signals and not just an economy slowing, but a potential recession. Okay, so the Fed would be the catalyst for that. And then they're going to have to turn it around, cut out their rate hikes. Rates will fall faster. And your bank, your, your, your regional bank longs are going to get smoked. So um, just just another way to think about this, obviously, than probably what you've heard on Consensus Monkey TV. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, I mean, you know, the flattening of the curve and, you know, the falling of the long end of the curve in particular is really a reflection of the bond market pricing in an increasing probability of a growth slowdown, you know, as we sort of converge, you know, lower and lower toward that, you know, ultimate zero line. That's the point at which, you know, the bond market basically says, okay, party's over. Uh, we're obviously or very likely going into a full-blown recession. So uh, keep a close eye on that um, as we do. And then, 
you know, on the macro front, uh, we'll get uh, jobless claims this morning. We'll get um, Q4 GDP, uh, the initial read. We'll get durable goods. We'll also get uh, pending home sales for December. So uh, a lot of macro data coming in today, uh, as well as earnings. So we'll uh, have more to say on all that uh, later on. That's it. Yeah, in the short term, you know, what, what happened was exactly what the signal said was going to happen to, you know, I took REITs and housing out for, you know, in the very immediate term because I thought that the Fed was going to fuck this up, which they did. Um, so rate sensitivity, like, you know, even gold had a down day finally. The very short term, but again, we OODA loop that. That's called observing, orienting, deciding, and acting in the short term. For those of you that don't want to just give away money in the short term and have been, you know, doing whatever, being being a bag holder for life, for hodling. I mean, that's not how to risk manage markets. Um, but from here, it gets much more interesting. Again, if we get housing stocks to be oversold and hold long-term tail support, same thing with REITs. They got to prove that. Uh, consumer staples looks much better uh, on the signal strength, obviously, because they didn't break trend, whereas the other two sectors did. Um, I know that's a lot for people to keep inside of. Like if everyone has a thick skull like me, it's a hard thing to do. The game's not as easy as they... As, as they tried to tell you at CNBC or whatever the hell you're watching. Um, but again, thanks for joining us. And, and Steiner's one of the best. So you probably just realized that. Uh, Reed Rob, what up? Hey, Keith, morning. Uh, pretty quiet on my end. A couple of earnings reports from uh, SL Green and Duke, but lots of nothing burgers so far. It's pretty quiet. SL Green puts out its outlook in uh, December every year for the forward year. So Nothing on that front. Um, next Friday, I have my black book on Radius Global Infrastructure. It's ticker RADI. Um, you know, it, it might not be the best time to talk about it right now, maybe to like visit, revisit it on the other side of quad four, because I think it's actually one of the more interesting stocks in my space that I've come across. So there's probably a time and place for that, but either way, black book next Friday and, uh, looking for that one, <clears throat> forward to that one, put out a note last night on that, uh, kind of dealing with the, um, the, the return parameters that I, I see happening or playing out over the next two to three years. So anyway, that's all for me. Good. And nice job with CJ Wilson yesterday. I thought that was, uh, first of all, it was a fun discussion, but uh, these are the kinds of people we want to associate with, not pretenders and posers on Twitter and being nice. You know, we're talking about your money, okay? Hard-earned capital. People die, people lose money. That means something to a lot of you, and I know it does. Uh, we want to find the real players in the game who are transparent, accountable. You know, CJ Wilson, on crypto was fantastic talking about how he runs his 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 wealth you know he signed a 77 and a half million dollar contract with the angels he's got plenty to, to to risk manage uh but the guy was just a great guy and the kind of people we want in the hedge eye community and uh great job by by uh rob in, in bringing him on board all right uh van skyver you're mixing it up a little bit on twitter last night jay yeah yeah we'll get in it it's earnings season. There's a lot to say, and uh, <laughs> Rollins. Uh, what, what, what were you? What was agitating you, or who was agitating? Somebody was really agitating. Probably somebody without a name, right? Well, we. Uh, I've had a lot of communication. I, I think I've been cut off by the Rollins management team, which is probably fair, since I <laughs> told it. I think an accurate representation, but not their spin of it. Um, you know, so I. I emailed the CFO. I pre-submitted my question. I was asked to be in the Q&A. And as of now, she still hasn't responded. So I tweeted out the question and then pointed out that she should really let bears talk or whatever. You know, I mean, that's that's a terrible decision on their part because they've put, they have this problem that they've admitted repeatedly that they have given inaccurate organic growth numbers. And by organic growth, like they left acquisitions in organic growth. Like that's not an accident that's <clears throat> pretty obviously misleading. Nobody defines, I mean, the definition of organic growth is growth excluding acquisitions and divestitures, right? Like that is, that is what it is. That is the only reason anybody bothers to do it unless they take currency out or some other things. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they, these numbers, they don't mean much. Uh, even the revised ones they gave for 2021, you have no 2020 numbers. So you have nothing to compare it to. So, you know, it could be an up 8% organic growth number versus a down 16 or whatever it is. Like, it's just finally silly. Uh, and they, uh, you know, they need to get out in front of that. You know, for our purposes, the next catalyst uh, is, I mean, that was okay as a catalyst. It wasn't an amazing call. Uh, they didn't really say anything on the call. Um, they didn't get Dude, out. Was a, that was a, it was a great short call. That thing got pounded and continues to get pounded. That's, that's why oh, yeah. she won't reply 
or she won't reply to you. The CFO won't because you're telling the truth. I mean, when you and I started in this business, remember uh, Howard Schillett? Mm, yeah. Oh, it's a great book. Great author. This is like, you know, pre-internet. We're dating, uh, you know, Jay Van Skyver and I here and, and a lot of, the, of us on the call with the gray hairs, as you can see. But, you know, back then, accounting irregularities or it, outright frauds, we're not saying that Rollins is a fraud. We would never say such a thing. Um, but misleading, accounting irregularities, it was enough for him to quite literally just put it on a report. The hedge fund community would just sell the stock and people would pay attention. Now we have the Internet. We have a lot of transparency out there. We have this call going on. You don't, I mean, Howard Schillett was just phase one of holding people to account. This is the real deal, right? Whoever that CFO is, she, like wherever she goes now, she's going to know until she answers the bell on answering these questions. She's not being transparent, accountable, or trustworthy, which is the hedge mantra. So again, it's not always friendly or may not come across that way. But if you're a bad girl or a bad boy, we're going to, we're going to say these things, right? And we just don't like, say him out of nowhere no i mean and, and when you come into a mess like this as a cfo she has an opportunity to have cleaned it up but you know, yeah, for our purposes the next catalyst is the 10k which is generally the very very end of uh, february uh we have these dubious key performance indicators you know such trivial ones like organic growth but there's also an sec investigation into just accounting and i think I think when you have a company that leaves acquisitions in organic growth, which is like brutal. I mean, it's not like, oh, I, I, you know, churn is a lot of our stated or whatever. This is like first order. Everyone knows what this word means. And they've done it this way for a long time. And you just had this big board turnover. You, you, what else are they doing that is kind of squirrely like that? And you got the SEC going through the accounts. The SEC doesn't say anything about the organic growth numbers, which they admit Right. This is something that um, they're looking at accruals, right, which is the, account, the kind of accounting we use, accrual accounting. So it's a bigger deal. Um, I should also quickly just hit on Rockwell because that's out. Um, we moved that name down our long list uh, in coming into 2022, even if it's the one that probably like among the best or the best over like a tail duration a few years. Uh, Rockwell isn't a great quad before performer. Uh, and it has some of the growthy holders and, you know, factors that are kind of like meme stock factors that have trended less well coming into this year. Uh, it's a robotics company or whatever. So it gets tied up in that in a way that like a pack car just never will. Um, the EPS came in a little bit ahead, 214 versus $1.93. But what's interesting is that first quarter orders were up over 40% year over year with organic sales up 16, 17%. Uh, these guys are drowning in demand, and that's actually part of the problem. And it's been it's been a theme so far for you know manufacturers turning season. If you check out our Oshkosh note um, in the in our uh, you know direct and uh, recap note uh, that went out this morning, uh, the backlog, particularly for aerial aerial work platforms, I've never seen a mature industrial backlog chart look quite like that. It would be mooning, I believe, in the in the parlance of uh, the kids today. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, for aerial work platforms, you know, these are cherry pickers and telehandlers and things like that in the access equipment division. It's kind of weird, but that's what Rockwell looks like on the, on the, um, you know, on this, uh, automation side. Margins also slipped similar to Oshkosh. And that's because you have this mismatch that we keep flagging between pricing, uh, and in, which is in backlog, which, you know, is back a little bit typically versus the cost that they're incurring. Uh, it's down 70 bips, like not a big deal. This is a company that basically has a 20% operating margin. So it's not like massive, but it is something that you get back in the second half of the year, which is probably when we, you know, move this back up the list, uh, you know, as you get out of the kind of more deeper quad four environment into two H and a lot of that order activity will start to translate into sales. The actual guide didn't move in a way that's meaningful. I, you know, I doubt we see too much about it, but that, that's the gist on rock. Yep. Good. Uh, nice job moving that down the list. I mean, uh, and when it moves down the list, I move it out. I mean, you know, it's anyone who has a managed account with one of our asset management partners knows knows when Rockwell came out. I mean, it's not like it, we don't act on these things, uh, or at least they don't. They're, I'm not running money for them, obviously. But um, two minutes uh, or less on Tesla, should uh, it, it's gone from 
you know, the signal nailed it. Quad two it was a long last year. Um, it went to the talk about mooning, uh, went to the moon. It's the number one story stock, I guess you could argue with the most cap and the most downside, uh, if it remains bearish trend. So they report the numbers. It's going to have to be up 6% to recapture the flag or recapture my trend signal. I will short anything that's bearish trend right now. And in this one, like I said, now it's, you got like 90 seconds, but 90 seconds, like, should it, should we short Tesla on all bounces going forward? I think, yes. I think it's an increasingly, what's, what's funny is like, as they, these models mature, they become, you see the evidence of it being a mature, more mature manufacturer, like bringing a new car model to market is a huge undertaking that's capital intensive, time consuming, takes focus. So they're delaying the the cyber truck. And I mean, I, there is no semi or whatever. So there all these other things that they're theoretically doing. Uh, and they're, you know, the people on the earnings call are, are I can't use the words, uh, are, it's special, right? It's, uh, it's not a great mix. They're talking about the Tesla robot, which is, if you think the semi truck doesn't exist, where do you see that robot that's gonna clean your house? Like, what are you people? gullible like what, what's wrong with the shareholder base um but you know they, they buy stocks and the stock goes up they buy calls the stock goes up uh but what you'll see as they face the struggles of a mature manufacturer is a convergence of the valuation and expectations and narrative between a vw or a ford and tesla like oh my god they have the exact same challenges that, that a capital intensive relatively low margin, uh, long lead time, high risk development project manufacturer has, that's because that's what they are. And all the other stuff, the, the sort of the promotional, you know, misleading, full self-driving, I mean, there's so much crap, like you'd have to be the most gullible. I, it doesn't, I, it, it's unbelievable to me that it trades where it does. So I was, uh, you know, wrong last year. We wrote, it's in the direct note this morning in the summary of it. Um, you know, it's they're going to build factories to build the same cars in a more competitive environment without a new product. I think that's pretty bearish, but it's a, it's one that's tricky and exhausting. Yep. Well, there's a ticker for gullible now. I, I didn't appreciate that up until recently, but Gerber Kawasaki, gullible, yeah. G, uh, GK. Um, and, oh, were they triggered last night? And I realized it's some money man. He says he claims he's a money manager. So I look him up and he's chirping me about chirping Gerbs. And I'm like... Literally, I looked on LinkedIn. The dude, his entire career was a marketing and then a creative director. And then, and then when Story Stocks came in the last year, he started an RIA. I'm like, like serious? These are the gullible. These are the people we're talking about. It, we're not being bullies. We're saying this is your capital. It's hard-earned capital. Be aware of all the charlatans on Wall Street that always appear during Quad Two bubbles. Okay, um, super important concept. <laughs> it's they so take bad. companies that are in the business of selling stock and then they turn and sell that stock to the gullible people that they're like a intercessor. Oh, and then the guy from advisor shares who manufactures the ETF, who gets a fee on it, doesn't have to generate alpha is chirping me too. I mean, it's like, let's go. I'm a hockey player. You know, this is not going to, this is not going to end well for you guys. All right. Uh, thank you. That was fun. Ami, you got some Qualtrics action on the tape. Yeah, we got uh, Qualtrics, ticker XM, uh, 13 billion market cap company reported last night. We've had it on the best ideas long, and um, that hasn't been a, a great uh, run for us over the last year. Uh, they reported last night, and, and one of the things that's been weighing on the stock all year is this uh, comp that they were supposed to report last night, this 4Q21 comp in billings, which uh, was supposed to face a pretty difficult cliff. And... Um, uh, because the strength of their 4Q20 benefit that they had kind of like rolled up all their orders from from COVID kind of got uh, delayed all through the year into the fourth quarter. So they had kind of this big fourth quarter albatross. Um, and when they reported last night, they delivered sustaining growth metrics, which leapt, o you know, leapt over a tough bar. Um, this has been, you know, so I, ho I hope this is going to be an albatross that has, you know, now passes. Um I would say that there were some um, puzzle pieces of um, where you could see where they had, they, they did have kind of like uh, a definite, there was like a period of COVID boost. Um, there's no question about that. But now that we're getting past that and we're comping comps, I think that what people should be able to see is they're sustaining 
like high teens growth in customers and they're going to sustain something in the range of 20 percent um uh nrr which is like a way of saying like uh arpu growth for you know um revenue per customer growth uh for you know kind of like for existing customers so so when you put that math together you're going to sustain subscription revenue growth which is the key driver of the business of the profits of whatever in the mid 30s percent uh this year and probably better than mid 30s percent for this year and and much into next year so i think this one to me is worth at least $40. Um, I, I think there are always interesting puzzle pieces with Qualtrics to look at. It happens to be one of these companies that continues to chase uh, new um, technology creation, meaning internally they, they build and build and build uh, at a very aggressive pace to the point where, you know, customers recognize it, employees complain about it kind of thing. And with that feature and function creation, the more technology supply they put in the market, the more uh, demand creation they have. So I'd like, that one uh, continue to like that one hasn't been a good call so far, but I could see that one being worth at least 40 on a call it a six to 18 month basis. And um, more than more bullish than that beyond that, I would say this is like a, I think this is a good one. Um, uh, but I've thought that all along and we've been wrong. I'll just mention one more thing um, is uh, we put out an invite yesterday. Well, you, 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 you may not, you may not be, I mean, wrong fundamentally, which is kind of the point or is the, not kind of, it is the point about quad four. I mean, quad four crushes growth stories. That's it until they go down enough. And then they report reality. This is kind of the point with playboy is that, you know, Qualtrics can be up at least a lot on the open. So it's not, it's not like they have to go down throughout the entire quad four. It's that they can go down before they report that they're actually a growth company and anyone who doesn't know how to risk manage that yet absolutely has to be able to. It's 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 like saying you're you're a big time uh, boater and you don't know how to swim or need life jackets. I mean, the whole concept of hodling without any risk management is a joke. Um, but th- that to me, that's what happened with this stock. I, longer term, it's always been one of you know. I mean, long term, like three to five years, which is you know what I think you're, you're talking about, or at least six to eighteen months. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. Uh, absolutely. Um, Definitely the, the most painful part of the performance has been during the, the quad four uh, period, for sure. Um, and um, well, anyway, moving from, from Qualtrics, I want to mention one more thing, um, which is we put out an idea, uh, an invite for our next idea hunt. We haven't done one of these in a little while that we've shared. We do it every quarter, but we oh, haven't good. Uh, publicized that. So we're going to have an idea hunt next Tuesday at 10 a.m. We're going to go through CrowdStrike and Coupa and Alteryx and Snowflake and DocuSign, DigitalOcean and Amplitude. Uh, so that's Tuesday at 10 a.m. Um, and um, kind of we'll move from there into single stock black books on as many of those as we can as we can do as we can get done. Nice single stock black books. Those are deep dives, so that might be you know 50 to 150 slides of Steiner's doing. It's 150 slides if it's. Uh, Somebody else, maybe 60 or 70. I don't know. But that's what a black book is. Friedman, yeah? Yep. So Bill Ackman bought a billion dollars worth of Netflix. thought that was interesting. Yep. Um, uh, the question the question is how much Netflix did he own on the way down? Because once he gets loud, you know, um, old Bill, you know, he just can't seem to get, grasp the quad four concept. He always gets body bagged in quad four. Yep. So we'll see, um, you know, looking at kind of the press release that came out, it doesn't look like there's anything too insightful or new um, or really edgy to his thesis. It's more just a, re- a reiteration of the same bold thesis that management's been talking about. And that's pretty pervasive. Um, and then, you know, he's leaning on the work that they did around UMG um, last year. But you know, as I tweeted out last night, his, his entire UMG presentation are the bull cases basically kind of the bear case for streaming video. So a little bit <laughs> intellectually inconsistent to some extent, um, but we'll see. And he was also basing his entire valuation model for UMG off of Netflix's multiple, which has gone from like 35 times EBITDA down to 24 times EBITDA. So I guess in that sense, you know, he's incentivized to support Netflix stock. If that's his valuation framework for UMG. Um, but other than that, uh, we have our monthly wrap call tomorrow at um, tomorrow um, at, at 1230. Uh, we're going to go through kind of Netflix, revisit the TAM assumptions. We're going to hit on all the internet advertising names, usage trends, monetization trends before we have earnings next week. 
And then we're going to go through kind of the online dating space and what the data looks like um, so far uh, to date. Cool. All right. Thank you. Felix, yeah? Hey, there's just another rumor in the game live streaming industry, but um, I'm writing my note on it, so I'll talk to you about this tomorrow. That's it? <laughs> that's it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good. We only have five minutes left. Blencher. Yeah, good morning. So we have a Supreme Court nomination um, coming. And the, to me, the question becomes, how much of a fight does Joe Biden want to have on this one? Um, the leading candidate people seem to be focused on is Judge Katanja Brown-Jackson. She has been confirmed before with three Republican votes to the appellate court. That's not a lot that she'd get those three votes in a Supreme Court fight. And I think there's a couple other nominees, Leandra Kruger in California, Michelle Childs in South Carolina, who's backed by Jim Clyburn. Of course, someone who the Biden administration owes a lot to since he was critical for Biden becoming president after the South Carolina primary. He backs her. So I think the issue becomes how much of a fight does we want to have over this one? Um, if if it's uh, contentious, it takes time and time matters because there's other things in the Senate that they need to get done before the midterms and uh, a, a contentious battle. Uh, you know, this is issue number one now for the Senate, the nomination for the Supreme Court, getting uh, the justice confirmed. So I think that uh, it's an issue about how much of a fight they want to have, how much it could displace other priorities, build back better, semiconductor funding legislation, et cetera, that's on the Senate agenda. And it could have some impacts for the midterm. JT uh, and I have been talking a little bit about this and sort of what the, the, the bigger impacts are. So if JT's on, um, yeah, yeah. I'd like to get his input. No, I'm here. And, and Paul, but just before I, I say a few things, so, you know, talk about that. This is there's no shift in ideology on the on a court. You're just replacing Breyer, right? So this that, doesn't right. change that's that right. dynamic. It's still six to three. Uh, conservatives have the have the majority on this one, even with the confirmation. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. So you know, people that are on the call right now because today's free, they, they're probably wondering why we just pivoted to Washington. Uh, these guys run our policy research. We have a, a, a Washington office. We have a Boston office, which isn't policy research, but Glencher, uh, Neil Howe, and for those of you that love Neil Howe, like we all do, uh, chief demographer of America and the world and beyond, really, uh, and JT, all these guys work together. So that's how we take, you know, we take the edges of policy to inform not only the quads, but the pods and company risks. Obviously, Paul's doing all the um, legal edges, but um, that, that's who these guys are. Uh, Paul, was that, was that it for you? To yeah, yeah that's I'm on JT's input, though, on the, I think, some yeah. political impacts. Yeah, got okay. yeah, yeah, so again, yeah, so, so. First off, Paul, Paul's 100% right that this is going to take time up, up on the Senate calendar. And as I've said many times before, that's a premium right now. And they do have other priorities that, priorities that they want to get to. They do have other things to pass. But this does change the narrative for Biden, at least for the moment, and gives him a little bit more uh, um, uh, fodder, shall we say, for the base. Paul and I have been walking through what we, don't, we think no one else in Washington is talking about, which is the entire narrative, uh, uh, midterm narrative is focused on the Republicans taking the House back and maybe even the Senate. And we, you know, do we buy into that? Yes, the, all the trends are favoring the Republicans. But, but, but uh, kicking off with the Supreme Court nomination, coupled with Roe v. Wade coming up this summer, there's an affirmative action case that Paul can talk about and we'll talk about later. We have guns, religious institutions. There are four or five things on the Supreme Court docket that could really energize the Democratic base here going into November and maybe pare back some of the Republican gains or make it a, a, a fairer match. I'm not saying that, that, you know, that, that the Democrats are going to keep the House, but I'm saying that, that everyone thinks that it's going to be a bloodbath for the uh, favoring the Republicans right now. Um, I'm, what we're saying is there are, there are a series of events uh, at the Supreme Court kicked off now by a new Supreme Court justice that could really help energize a badly, badly downtrodden Democratic base. Yeah, that, that is that's, you know, again, why we built this place. I mean, you can turn on any channel of media other than this. And thanks for joining us. But, you know, we're, if these guys aren't apolitical, they're not working here. Right. We're not. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Yes, some of our the players on the team are, but it has nothing to do. Our political biases should have nothing to do with any risk management decision that we're trying to help you make with your hard-earned capital. Never, right? There's no emotion. Like when we talk positively about Republicans or negatively, it shouldn't trigger you. If it does, that's fine, but it's not going to change how I'm using the edges of policy to inform 
like I said, the quads and at the company level, different pods. So, um, so thank you to everyone who joined us today. I'll see you guys on the macro show too. Thanks for listening to Real Conversations brought to you by Hedgeye. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the contents. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.